yeah, it's challenging when, you know, people show up, uh, your doorbell rings at four in the morning and it's minus 30 out, right? Um, what do you do? And sometimes we've had people, we've taken them in, they slept overnight at our house or for a couple nights. Um, that doesn't happen a lot, but um, it has happened. Sometimes we're like, you know, you, you can't stay here. We got to figure out something, plan B, if it's not, it depends how well we know them. We've had total strangers show up. Uh, we've had people we know really well that grew up in our youth group. So, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. Welcome to Discipleship Conversations, a Mission Alive podcast with Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel. Hello, friends, and welcome to Discipleship Conversations. We are talking today with Kevin and Lisa Vance with Gentle Road Church of Christ in Regina, Saskatchewan. We are looking forward to hearing their story. I'm here with Jeremy. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to be here with you and excited to talk to the Vances. That's good. I, let me tell you just something that really stood out to me of the conversations we've had so far uh, their move from their first context outside of church planning into church planning wasn't one that required a lot of miles of change distance wise, but I would say it required a lot of miles in change as far as culture uh, into an indigenous population and a poverty culture in inner city uh, so that was a big change in the the, the moves that were uh, re- that that required, uh, the family considerations that that required, and for the things that they're still learning along the way, uh, and how what that requires was really some, something I took away from uh, that conversation, this first conversation. Yeah, I heard all that as well, and was kind of captivated by although Kevin doesn't really use the word but his connotation of place as being really really important for ministry but instead of speaking a little bit more about that I just want to call attention to something else that Kevin talked about that's pretty important to me as well and he's going to get to this towards the end of the interview but he's going to talk about Mission Alive Canada and the reason I'm excited about that is because I'm involved with it. I'm excited to be involved with it. And we are trying to bring the concept of what Mission Alive is trying to do with their marginalized communities initiative into Canada. And we're looking to, as as Kevin's going to call it, attention to plant 20 new churches in marginalized communities in Canada. And I'm, I'm, glad to call Kevin a friend and to be working with him on that. And that's going to be something that I will be hoping to talk a lot more about as, uh, as the months and then the years roll on. So it, it, it was a really good interview overall. We're going to be diving into part one here. And so without uh, further comment, let's head on into the interview. We're glad that you guys have joined us. Why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourselves, who you are, uh, where you live, what are some things that you like to do? Uh, my name is Kevin Vance, and this is my wife, Lisa. We've been married 32 years. 
We have three children. Uh, our oldest is 28 and our second is 26 and our daughter is 21. And we're proud of all of our kids. And um, we live in Regina, Saskatchewan. Um, for those in the US, it's about uh, four hours north of Minot, North, North Dakota. And we uh, planted a church here a, 10 years ago, almost exactly to this date. And I'm Lisa Vance. I, um, of course, help Kevin with the church plant as much as I can, but uh, I'm also trained as a dietitian and work in this same neighborhood where we have the church plant. And so I have an interest in, of course, my family, who he talked about, and cooking. Mm. That, that's cool. Uh, just for our, our listeners' sake, we are recording this interview at the end of June. Kevin, that's an interesting note. I hadn't realized uh, how the date of this this episode corresponded to the the date of you planting the church there. Could you go ahead and just give us a like a big picture overview of your of your church, maybe how it started and what some of its distinctives are? Okay, sure. So Gentle Road. Church of Christ is the name of our church, and we started formally 10 years ago. There was a three-year prehistory before that. Uh, the name is not the name of an actual road. It's more of a spiritual and theological name. So the, the road portion is in Indigenous culture, which is what we call our, in the States, they call uh, Native Americans. In, in Indigenous culture, the road of... Um, clean and sober living is called the red road. And so we took road from that and then gentle, we took from Jesus teaching um, that he's gentle and lowly in heart. And um, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden and I will give you rest. And so that scripture and so gentle road is more of a spiritual uh, journey than, than an actual road. Um, and so that's, that's the uh, name of the church. We are in the inner city of Regina, Saskatchewan. So Regina's capital city is Saskatchewan, city of over 200,000 people. The inner city has about 10 to 15,000 people in, a, in about a one square mile area. And a lot of indigenous people, a lot of poverty, a lot of drugs and alcohol, addictions, um, forms of homelessness, um, violence, pros, uh, prostitution, and so on. So typical inner city context. Um, so that's where our church church plant is. Okay. Could you, uh, why don't you share with us, and Lisa, I'd like your perspective on this as well, but what was your journey towards church planting? And as you answer that, maybe give some some thought to how listening to God played a role in that. You want to go first? Or me? You go first. Okay. So in 2008, we were in a small group with uh, our youth minister at our church who had moved into the inner city here in Regina. And that was the only place they could afford a house. So they moved in in 2007. And they had kids just by the way they lived. Kids came over and from the neighborhood and... Um, you know, watch TV, watch movies. Um, so our friends, Daryl and Kristen Steiner started um, having popcorn and feeding them soup and sandwiches and stuff like that. 
And so then at our small group, about a year later, they, they were like, we should start a Bible club for these kids. So that was the fall of 2008. So we, Lisa and I joined with them and did that for a year. And we started with six kids. We had, uh, they were like grades three and four kind of age. And our daughter was one of those. And uh, it grew after one year to 25 kids. And then after two years, we had 84 kids at the windup. By then we had moved it to a local school. And so that was kind of the start of uh, kind of a, not an intentional church plant. It was just started as a kids club and God just worked in it from there and um, moved in our hearts to uh, lead us from what we were doing, from what I was doing career-wise to plant a church in North Central. So there's more to tell about that, but what do you want to share? And Would this be an okay time to talk about Mission Alive? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as far as I think part of your question was like preparation or leading up into the church plant. So I don't remember what year it was, but early on we did go to um, traveled from Canada to the United States to do some mission alive training. So for me, that was pretty pivotal because I hadn't gone to Bible college. I had no formal training in um, working specifically in ministry. I was always sort of the support person to my husband who was trained in that area, but, and had learned things along the years, but uh, the training with Mission Alive was really good as well as like the follow-up with, at that time it was Becky Van Reenen, who would call me monthly and provide some coaching. As you think about like what you were learning and processing in those, those early years. How were you guys practicing the idea of listening to God, both individually and then as a couple so that, that you could talk about what you were learning from God? I'll go first. I was in a busy job. I was the president of Western Christian College, and that was a very stressful job and I traveled a lot so I was away a lot um, and as this kids club grew um, the there were sort of two two trend lines going in opposite directions the Western Christian College was on a trend line downward because enrollment was shrinking and financial pressures were growing and so on and so and that was tapping me of all my life and energy because I was I was stressed I was financially pressured um, every month was a grind, traveling away from my family. And so at the same time, the other trend line was this kids club that kind of went upward um, through those two years. And after a year of that, so there was 25 kids and we went one day in the spring of 2009, we walked down King Street. There was a boy that was, we had to do discipline in the sense of tell him not to come for a month because he was sitting on kids in the park and choking them and just like being really rough. So we were like, you know what, bro, you, you need to take a break from for a month because we just can't have that at our kids club. And so Daryl and his daughter and I walked down a few blocks to this house. And it was really strange because here I was traveling to places like Dallas and, you know, Los Angeles, whatever, and visiting with wealthy people. And, um, and on the other hand, here I am walking in the, in the streets of the hood in uh, inner city of Regina. And I just had such joy in that 
that day, like even though the particular task we were going to do was not that fun. Uh, but I had such joy, like walking these streets, like this is where I need to be. This is what, and, and um, what's his name? Uh, South African scholar or uh, Christian leader, Desmond Tutu, used the phrase God pressure uh, when he felt physically like a pressure from God to like, you need to go in this direction, like right before he, he uh, the night that he issued a call for, um, to have a march for, uh, you know, against apartheid in South Africa. Anyway, so um, I felt kind of such joy in my, in my body and in my heart that I was like, I have to pay attention to this. And so it was that fall, I think, we, we, Lisa and I got a, five of our closest friends, I think including Lisa and four others, to pray for us for about a month or so. And, and I just wrote out a couple pages of like, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what's happening personally, spiritually. Here's what's happening in ministry at Western Christian. Here's what's happening at, at, in our inner city kids club. And so we asked people to pray for us. And after a month of that, we gathered up their discernment and we decided that God was calling us to leave um, that ministry and to start a church and, and to partner with Mission Alive. So um, we listened to God both individually um, and also um, communally through that process. I like the idea of God pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. I think sometimes people have maybe a hesitancy to say, I hear God or I'm listening to God, but there's a sense of, you know, there's a feeling definitely, uh, maybe a pushing or a pulling or something uh, definitely would be described as a pressure. How did the conversation go between the two of you in making this decision to, to go this direction? Uh, what was that like? Was there a push and pull of that? There was there, uh, being on the same page uh, very quickly, or was it slow, or what was the idea there? What, how was that process work? You know, it's funny you're asking us to think ten years back, so I really have to blow the dust off. Like I don't remember all the details, but um, and of course, Kevin might have a different perspective, but I just remember feeling a lot of love for the children in our community and the parents that we had met already, so that when we came to this decision, uh, I was at peace with it. Like it, it felt very natural because God had already cultivated lots of those relationships. And then it came to the point where we realized even where we were living wasn't suitable to ministry. We had to move into the neighborhood. So for the first little while we lived farther out of the neighborhood and so I think when it was time to move, we were at peace with that as well. I guess as a mom, we just had one, you know, one or two concerns about our kids because we were definitely moving to a rougher neighborhood, but um, we were able to kind of find a compromise that way and keep our daughter in the same school till she finished. So we'd, we would drive her out of the area so she could finish with her friends. Um, but we just kept getting confirmation along the way, uh, you know, even with our children, that um, they were meeting people who were so different from the people they'd known before. And at first, they maybe um, 
pushed up against that, but then later would say to us, we're so thankful you did this. Like we never would have met these people before and they learned and, and grew so much. It really stretched them, uh, but in a good way. Yeah. So how did that, you mentioned the confirmation, little pieces of confirmation. How did that, uh, how did that come? But did it come in other people's voices through the voices of your kids, through just situations? How did you process that confirmation? I'm, I'm thinking we spent quite a bit of time talking with the Steiners who Kevin mentioned were the original couple. Um, we would meet weekly with them and just go through, you know, the good, the bad, <laughs> and the, the, ugly. the future, you know, what did we see coming up that we should um, proceed with? So that was a big help. They were, we were very close. Yeah. Uh, that's good. We also, sorry. Um, so we started the kids club in 2008 in September. And then a year later, uh, was, was it that fall or was it? She got a job in the inner city as a dietitian. I think it actually was that fall, 2008. So it was a few months afterwards. And that kind of immersed her in the community in terms of her work and uh, professional development. She was getting at her work in indigenous um, cultural awareness and so on, um, culture of poverty, which is a different culture than, than uh, middle-class culture. So um, that was a confirmation. Um, and a, and kind of a collaboration of or, or a um, coming together of events, convergence of, of events, so that wow, like yeah. So uh, I I see that really well how that worked together and kind of moves you in that direction, uh, particularly moves your heart in that direction as you put yourself in that space. Uh, you mentioned a bit of concern. Uh, with the kids and how they reacted how what was did was that something you brought before them and say hey what, what do you think about this or you just dropped it on them say hey we're moving or we're doing this thing how were they involved in the process I'm gonna let you answer that because I don't remember well, actually <laughs> I have two things so another confirmation sort of back to your previous question was um, early on I was really nervous about like um, you know as a white male, you know, type A personality, you know, and indigenous culture is so different. And then, um, you know, it's not, it's not like super structured and super like um, rigid and stuff like that, or super, or like, yeah. So I was worried about that. And also the fact of, of residential schools in Canada, where a lot of children were were uh, taken from their families and abused and stuff like that. And some of them killed. Um, and so there was a really a toxic, um, or a really a, a hard resistance against Christianity. And, and so I was really worried, like, are, will people like me? Will they accept me? Will there be like any opportunity to share Christ? And so one of the early confirmations I had lunch with a lady, I'd never met her before, but she was, a, uh, an Anglican minister, uh, from a reserve about an hour and a half away. And, and we had lunch and she said, she was really encouraging to me. And she said, like, I feel love from you. I, you know, I feel love in my heart from you. And I think, you know, she just said, you, I think you should go ahead and do this. 
I don't remember that, but uh, so that was a real confirmation. So there were different kind of things happening. Also with our children, that was a confirmation and sort of put the two questions together is we did talk with them. We, uh, we, we asked them like, what do you think about moving into, into the inner city? And we, we prayed about it as a family and we talked about it with them and got their feedback. And so our two boys were like uh, 16 and 18. So they were like, they were totally fine with it. Our daughter was 12 and her school went two more years. So she was like, I the only thing is I want to finish school with my friends up to grade eight. So that's uh, what we did. As Lisa mentioned earlier, we drove her to that school. Um, but um, so they were on board with it. And then when we went to look at this house, like we're actually in our house now where we've lived now 10 years, when we were looking at it to potentially buy it, we brought our kids um, and we looked at it together as a family. We discussed it, you know, is this house going to fit for our needs? Do we like it? Do we want to keep looking? And, and we all agreed that this house was good and we want to buy it. And so, uh, so yeah, we absolutely involved our kids and that was another confirmation that uh they were on board and um yeah so fast forward 10 years though it it is difficult uh like because we don't have a church building we always say church is sort of in the vans that are transporting people around because a lot of people have barriers to transportation and um and then whatever place we happen to be meeting at whether it's someone's backyard or a um, a school or wherever we are. Uh, so the home becomes a big place for ministry. And, uh, and I have to say, that's been a bit challenging, as far as um, everybody feeling safe in the home, or like, who's going to be here? At what time it, it can be quite unpredictable, which, which can leave you in a sense of, um, not necessarily having always knowing what's going to be happening in a safe place to be all the time. Uh, so that's something we probably have to work on a little bit more, like tighter boundaries around our actual home. So that's not something you've resolved quite yet No. and how that happens. Yeah. It's challenging when, you know, people show up, uh, your doorbell rings at four in the morning and it's minus 30 out. Right. Um, what do you do? And sometimes we've had people, we've taken them in, they've slept overnight at our house or for a couple nights. Um, that doesn't happen a lot, but, um, it has happened. Sometimes we're like, you know, you, you can't stay here. We got to figure out something plan B if it's not, it depends how well we know them. We've had total strangers show up. Uh, we've had people we know really well that grew up in our youth group. So, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. So that's one aspect. So uh, Lisa, you mentioned Mission Alive a little bit ago. Uh, y'all didn't pick up and move to a different town or far away. You did move into a different culture. That's true. How did Mission Alive prepare you from what you were doing to what you had discovered you were loving a lot? Uh, how did that transition go with Mission Alive? I think they gave, when I look back to the early years, they gave us a lot, gave me a lot of like really good theological concepts for mission work that I wasn't aware of, um, as well as the relationships with people like Todd Vogt, 
and Candace have been so good to us and helping us through some of the bumps along the road, you know, of things that happen and you have someone to talk to, you know, to talk it through and say, what should we do? What does this mean? Do we change the direction a bit? Um, yeah, or assessing, you know, assessing who would be good partners. I mean, they did, that was a lot of the initial work was um, assessing our strengths and weaknesses as a couple. And then with our partners, um, I think they helped Kevin and I maybe get uh, on the same page in our marriage and so that we were stronger to serve because I think, well, I guess anytime you're serving the Lord, I believe you're probably under attack from Satan. He doesn't want to see um, people come to the Lord, right? So definitely we had some challenges and Mission Alive provided a lot of resources to help us, you know, strengthen, become spiritually strong to do the work. I really appreciate y'all sharing that. Uh, I think that's really important observation as far as the struggles that come along with that move and maybe how Mission Alive helped you through those moments. I appreciate that very much. I really like the story of uh, quite a transition, even though you didn't move very far away. Uh, that's, a, mm -hmm. that's a big journey. Yeah, I, I picked up on Lisa when you mentioned uh, the assessment. Uh, Devin and I are closer to the assessment than than you and Kevin are and uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to sharing some about that when it's our turn to do the interview but Mission Alive of course does a lot more than just uh, the initial assessment both of you guys have touched on some of how they've continued to walk with you and journey with you and and resource you for for church planting and, and ministry could you guys just maybe touch on some ways that you've continued to stay connected with Mission Alive, how they've helped you. And then Kevin, maybe this would be a good time to introduce uh, what, what's going on in Canada as well. Sure. So yeah, the initial assessment happened and then we had regular coaching sessions. Lisa mentioned prayer and support from Becky Van Rienen. Uh, Todd was my coach. So uh, we would get on the phone every couple of weeks and chat about progress and about you know, the action items from the last meeting and challenges, you know, and, and sometimes you're faced with very, like, very, uh, very difficult, like seemingly, seemingly intractable problems that you can't figure out. And so having a coach that you can talk to that listens and cares and loves you um, and isn't afraid to, you know, ask hard questions, you know, penetrating questions, um, has been phenomenal. So the coaching has been great. Uh, also, I was trained as a coach, so uh, that was really good. Um, so lots of learning along the way. Then we took mission, um, what was that called? It doesn't exist anymore, but it was a mission training. I think it was called mission training for a while. And that was really helpful. And our church, our leaders here took that as well, some of them. And uh more recently, do you want to talk about the DCs? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I've been part of a DC now for seven weeks, and it's been really uh, very supportive, 
very good um, experience of connecting with people within our church family once a week by Zoom is what we're doing right now. Um, but it's amazing how quickly we've got to a, a level of vulnerability with each other, of sharing based on our Bible readings for the week and accountability with each other. So I'd say it's kind of bumped up some existing relationships to a much deeper level very quickly. <laughs> I think with respect to Mission Alive Canada, so that's a new organization that Jeremy, you and I helped start last year. And it brings up one of the things that I really love about Mission Alive is just the fellowship and the camaraderie among church planters that have similar ideas and visions and passions of like caring for the poor and uh, planting new churches, trying to address um, uh, barriers that, that people have to the gospel, being entrepreneurial and, and exploring new ways to, to serve people and share the gospel. And so I always get fired up when I, you know, have lunch with Charles Kaiser or I, you know, Jeremy and I get on a call or just the, uh, the, the fellowship is awesome and it just sharpens me and inspires me. So we decided to um, uh, start an organization called Mission Alive Canada to, to further church planting here across the country. Um, our vision is to plant 20 churches across Canada in the most challenging areas of the, of the country, uh, in, among the poor, um, inner city contexts, among indigenous communities, um, immigrant communities. And so th that is really exciting. It's really hard work, but it is, um, uh, it's great. And so I, I think it's, there's nothing more noble, I think that, that I could give my life to, um, you know, I'm 56. So I have, I don't know, who knows how many years till I retire, but, uh, that's what I want to give my life to in the next, next 10 or whatever years I have left to, to serve the Lord. So, yeah. Thanks, Kevin and Lisa. We've been talking with Kevin and Lisa Vance. Uh, this is part one of our conversation. Uh, we'd like for you to stay tuned uh, for the next episode. We'll be part two of our conversation. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this Discipleship Conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionalive.org media. Intro and outro music is by audionautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.